You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Joe Hopkins and I'm Dave Griffiths. Joining us from outside the studio is our very own Mike Chappell phoning in via the power of Beach Grove Wi-Fi. We do hope the hamster has been fed today. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll operate under that assumption until proven otherwise. And we will have Chap on the line uh, throughout this next hour or so for you as we preview the Colts and Broncos game coming up on Thursday Night Football. We're coming to you a day early as we tape here on Wednesday. We'll preview the matchup with an injury update, getting a more complete look at the injury report than we usually do on our podcast at this time of week because that has been pretty solidified with some very solid names on that list for the Colts who will miss this week's game in Denver. Breakdown keys to the game, well, predictions, uh, but we will start even before the news. We will start with giving Dave some respect. Y'all knew this was coming. You knew it. But here we are. Y'all criticized me for my picks, and then it comes up on Sunday, and my picks are the best of everyone's. I'm having trouble. Uh, maybe it's on my end. I, don't, I can't hear things. Are you saying something stupid? Uh, of course, yes. That, that's exactly what happened. Thanks, Chap, for your contribution. Uh, Joe, w- would you like to finally um, uh, re- repent of your errorous ways and re- uh, renounce them entirely? No, Dave, you, you know your role on this podcast, and it's to uh, to be to right be the, to, to to be the realist of the group. To be right, uh, you're not a Colts fan. You come in here and you're very analytical about things. But um, some people yeah, call it I, some I'll, people call it, some some people call it hater. I didn't want to go that far, you know. I, I wouldn't call a Dave a hater just yet. We'll see what happens as the season goes along. But I, I will give you your due. You did. Um, I pointed out that you've yet to pick the Colts to win a game this season through the first four games of the year. And most weeks, that's been correct. And I've been right. Yes, exactly. I've been right two of those weeks. I was literally one point off that third week. And we, yeah. all, we all missed the Chiefs, so, so that's okay. We did all miss I, the I, I don't feel bad about missing the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are 3-1 and one right now. They're one of only eight teams in the NFL that are above 500. I mean, there's been a lot of middling right here early in the mm-hmm. season like i think we have a good idea of of who some of these best teams in the league are um like the top tier but there's a bunch of teams that are two and two that can vault themselves right up into that consideration i know we always like we talk about looking at the season in quarters like first four games next four games etc cetera, etc cetera. that's something players talk about coaches talk about it's why i said i really didn't want to evaluate the matt ryan carson wentz decision a little bit earlier but i bet hey we're here now um, but we, I might do that a little bit later uh, in this podcast. You'll have to stay tuned to see if uh, see if I go off down that rabbit hole. Uh, we'll perhaps see, Wentz has had a couple bad weeks. He has, and that's and that's good thing because if I evaluate evaluated everything after two weeks, then then you don't get that don't get yeah. that picture. But I, yeah. I also believe you can you can evaluate it in slightly different ways with, with a little bit more context, not just in the sense of Carson Wentz versus Matt Ryan. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get to that. Um, we we do want to start here with the news from the, from uh, from the Colts' perspective this week. They have signed, as we said, they would last week kicker Chase McLaughlin to the active roster to the 53 man uh cut Des Patman to do so uh McLaughlin uh, Joe you say two games I had to edit that he's played in three games this week this year because against Jacksonville he just didn't have anything to do except kick off once so I I understand where like you're looking oh he's only in, in two games of kicking field goals there you go in, in actually two games of uh, stats when it matters Chase McLaughlin has had uh, he's kicked three of four he missed a 51-yarder against Tennessee, did not look very good, and uh, went 4-4 on his PATs. Des Patman has four career catches, sixth-round pick in 2020. Uh, his best career catch came on that uh, Arizona Christmas Day game. On game the, winner. Uh, the, best, the best throw that Carson Wentz had in the Colts uniform. I yeah. think we can all say that, unmistakably. Uh, um, um, but, but anyway, that's, that was the move. Chap, we, we, like I said, we all knew that this move was coming. Uh, the Colts needed to eval- uh, to make a kicker, put a kicker on their 53-man. It was just a matter of who would get the cut. And uh, with uh, with the Colts wanting to, every once in a while, get uh, Mike Straw, and I guess involved in the offense, Des Patman was the receiver that, that got the axe right now. Yeah, I think to me it's telling that it was Des Patman because there's three or four other guys that haven't either been active or, or contributed much of anything. And I initially thought when they made this move to McLaughlin that they had to make, it would be they're going to waive somebody, then bring that guy back to the practice squad. I'm not sure that's the case with Pat, but I think they've decided sort of that the light's not going to go on here. We'll see. Maybe he's back. 
But th- there were two or three other better options, I think, because whoever's out there, you, you, he's available on waivers. So, you know, I don't want to make too much out of Des Patman because he, he really had just the one major catch. But to me, it, it speaks volumes that they don't value him much to make him the guy to, to make room for the kicker. Yeah, Joe, the, the couple players that the Colts have um, have put have, have made inactive every week. There's been several of them. Um, uh, the, the corner Dallas Flowers is one of them. He's one that I'm sure that uh, Chris Boward is, is, is scared that somebody else would pick him up because of uh, his, his, uh, his, his traits. His like, potential. Yeah, exactly, his, his potential, his, um, like his speed, and his, his, uh, his, just, his, his ability that they hope to tap in. And also the, the tackle, Luke, uh, what's his last name that they picked up from, uh, from Tampa Bay? Tenuta. Tenuta, that's it, Luke Tenuta. Uh, another one that I guess I mean I thought the Colts picked him up off the Tampa Bay practice squad too, uh, but maybe he was on he was a waiver claim uh, before week one. I, I can't remember honestly. So anyway, those are two players that, like I said, have been inactive every week, and uh, and the Colts still want to hang on to them. Uh, in, in the, so they let Des Patman go. That's their decision in that case. Uh, the Broncos have signed uh, running back Latavius Murray, 32 year old from Syracuse, New York. By the way. Uh, he had a 65 yards and one touchdown on 12 touches last Sunday for the Saints because he was a Saints practice squad player, one of those guys that can just get signed anywhere else. The Saints had elevated him. And now the Broncos, with their running back issues, which we'll get into more, Joe, a little bit later on the show, signed Latavius Murray, who ha- has been a quality running back in-, in previous years. At 32 years old, you don't expect any explosive plays out of him, or at least if you do, you're in a whole lot of trouble giving yeah. those up. But uh, but they, it looks like Murray's coming in. They, he might get a couple touches this weekend as, uh, as the Broncos are trying to turn their own short week at home with some some injury issues at running back. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, short week, I, I doubt he'll have much of a role on Thursday, but this is a guy that they're going to bring in and just try and mix into the rotation. They were already using three running backs regularly, even when Javante Williams was healthy with Williams, Melvin Gordon, and Mike Boone. So now... I assume Latavius Murray will kind of slide into that third running back role. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at HancockRegional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Let's get to the injury report for this week because every every time that there's a Thursday night game, this this injury report just seems to be riddled uh, from one team to the next, from one week to the next. And that that comes from playing NFL football games, chap, like four days apart. Uh, human bodies can, can barely make it seven days, you know, from one to the next. But, but when it comes from a, a Sunday to a Thursday, that, that's a really tough, uh, tough road to hoe. And we're going to see it with some of the Colts that are on here this week. But it's also just the decision the NFL has made to uh, to be more prevalent throughout the week. And uh, this is this is M- how it is. M- money, uh, money. Yeah, this is how money. it is from here on out. Uh, whether, whether players like it or not, this is uh, this is what's going to be. So, yep. And, and, and when we get to this list, I'm not sure that this week being what it is that it, w- it really impacts what the Colts are doing. I'm, I'm not sure that any of these guys who are out would have played anyway but no you're, you're right the idea that players get into a routine physically to where monday tuesday it's rest recovery it's it's you know hot and cold tubs and all that massages and then finally wednesday you're kind of able to get back out you know they, they had a light walkthrough yesterday is all they had so it, short weeks are tough it's it's a fact of life again the money they they can they can generate on thursday night is incredible, and if if they can play Friday night and not really irk off the high school folks, they might do that. Joe, this list of four players for the Colts, there are two All Pros on it, and it will we'll start with Jonathan Taylor, uh, ruled officially uh, just uh, about an hour ago as we taped this podcast that he would miss this game. I don't think it's much of a surprise based on what we saw earlier in the week with him not practicing and not sounding completely optimistic when we spoke to him in the locker room. But uh, Colts All-Pro running back Jonathan Taylor will miss this uh, this week's game in Denver. Yeah, and it, it's going to be tough without... It's weird this week because he's arguably the Colts' best player on the team, and yet 
he's been such a non-factor the last three games in terms of being productive when he runs the football. I'm sure he's been a factor in defenses have really game planned for him, and maybe that's part of the reason Matt Ryan was able to throw for 350 yards or whatever it was on Sunday. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the Colts rushing attack looks um, because we really haven't seen it without Taylor in a few years now. Yep. And it's very likely that a Philip Lindsay will be elevated to the active roster from the practice squad. And uh, since he was with, uh, he was with the team throughout all of training camp, you figure you don't have to catch him up too much. He should know what's going on out there. And really interesting dynamic because Lindsay's going back to Denver where revenge game. That's right. Philip Lindsay revenge game running all over around and through the Bronco defense at, uh, at old mile high there. Uh, in Denver. That'd be fun to see for a guy who was a two-time thousand-yard rusher there to start out his career as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they'll get him involved in a way. We'll see how much they use Deion Jackson as well. He's certainly mm-hmm. going to be their largest running back. So if there's a short yardage situation, maybe they opt for Jackson. But um, we'll finally get to see Philip Lindsay with some meaningful snaps in the Colts uniform. Definitely going to see a lot more Naheem Hines than we've seen most of the season. Um, Mike, I was reading your article this is the first game Jonathan Taylor is going to miss dating back to college? Well, he missed one as a rookie. with He was a uh, COVID uh, close contact case. But we could, I, I didn't dive back into his high school career because I've got a life, so I didn't go <laughs> that far back. But I think what's going to be interesting how they do this, Frank Reich told us, yeah, we've got a plan if, if JT can play, which I think they knew when we talked to Frank on Tuesday that JT wasn't going to play. But did they simply replace JT with Philip Lindsay? I mean, as far as role and, and carries and then still let Naheem Hines be what he's been, which unfortunately they, they, they can preach until the cows come home. They still don't use Naheem Hines much. They just don't. But does, does Philip Lindsay get those 25 carries or – like you mentioned, will will they work Deion Jackson anymore? I don't know, but talking to Philip Lindsay, I'm telling you, he, he told us he's got went to high school there, University of Colorado. He's got two homes out there. He wants his three year old son to experience his dad playing, so he won't lack motivation. The problem is, and you mentioned it, we'll get into it with your keys and all that. Right now, it doesn't matter who's running the ball. Because there's not much room to run, and, and maybe Philip Lindsay isn't hasn't been beaten down by not having trust in the offensive line. Maybe he'll be more decisive. But I'm really curious to see how they use Philip Lindsay in the running game. And outside of Jonathan Taylor, the other All Pro who will miss this weekend, this week's game rather in Denver, is uh, Shaquille Leonard, who went down at the goal line after a collision with Zaire Franklin, trying to stop a player getting in the end zone and. Uh, Joe, you tweeted it out from the uh, the Colts Blue Zone Twitter account, the, the picture of, of Shaq's uh, face mask that was just completely disheveled after this collision. And we've seen other photos of a trainer going off just holding a cloth that looks like to Shaq's nose, which is bleeding quite profusely. I'd imagine that his nose is not going to be as straight as it was before, uh, before this past week when we see him again, whenever that might be. Because broken nose, concussion... Uh, Shaq's going to be out for a little while, and I, I would say it's not it's not impossible for injured reserve to be an uh, option. But Chap, we're already I mean we're already past the time where they could have put him on injured reserve this week. So then you add, you add another week to it. So if if they're optimistic that the nose can heal quickly, which I've had a broken nose before, and that that smarts man, like it, it takes a week or two to heal. Um, so it wasn't certainly wasn't four weeks for me, but it takes a couple weeks to heal. And if you touch it, it's it's not comfortable during that time. Um, I got hit by a baseball playing Little League. Like, I turned I, I, I scored the run. I crossed home plate. I turned around to look and see where the ball was, and bang, it hit me right in the nose. So that was my experience with a broken nose. Uh, Zaire Franklin's helmet to the schnoz is a, is a little bit more painful, I would think. Mine was certainly was, was no walk in the park, but... Um, but to, to not have Leonard, and they're not putting him on IR this week. So, again, they're hopeful that, uh, well, he can come back sooner than four weeks. But still, nevertheless, Chap, they finally you get Shaquille Leonard back in the lineup. You're hopeful that you can get a player in there to put some dynamic, game-changing plays out there, some things that the Colts have sorely missed these first four games of the season. And then immediately he's gone for another couple weeks right now. Yeah, I, and, and I should know the rules better than I don't, but at this point there's just they've changed – 
But why can't they put Shaq on IR today or tomorrow? And then he misses, is it four games or four weeks, whatever the rule That's is? That's a good so, question. It's either games or weeks, uh, and it would be, yeah, that would yeah, be the question. Because I asked Frank that question yesterday, uh, Tuesday about IR, the short-term IR, which is four games slash weeks. And they he basically said they got to wait. They have to wait until the swelling goes down to see what they're actually dealing with. So I it, now the, the downside obviously is IR is no practice, so you can't do anything with the team. But but if you've got a concussion and a broken nose, how much can you do anyway? As far as running, jogging around, and jarring your head. Uh, keep in mind that when. Shaq had the concussion in 2019, second week against Tennessee. He missed the next three games, but he also had the bye week. So he had a month to recover from that. I'd forgotten he had the bye week early in the season. I just think I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if he goes IR. Uh, This wasn't just your run-of-the-mill concussion. He got lit up. I mean, Zaire Franklin said, I put everything I had into the hit. I just missed my target. So uh, we'll see where it goes. This has not been the kind of start to a season Shaq wanted, the Colts wanted, and it's un- Shaq's got to be extremely frustrated to go through all that he went through, gets back out there, and then he gets blown up by his own teammate. Yeah, uh, Tyquan Lewis, also a concussion. He will miss this game. So the Colts' defensive line that you love to have that good rotation on is going to be down a man, and, and more than just a man, a man that can go outside or inside in Tyquan Lewis, a guy with some flexibility um, who was performing well so far earlier this season, didn't have any crazy plays, no, no splash plays, like I said, something that the Colts have lacked as a, as a team. But And then finally, safety Julian Blackman still out with, with that ankle injury that he sustained uh, the, the other week. So that was entirely expected. Two more players were listed on the injury report, Ryan Kelly and DeForest Buckner, but they don't even have a designation for game status. Um, after just being on there with a deforced elbow injury, Ryan Kelly with a knee uh, from earlier this week. They practiced uh, in full both on Monday and Tuesday, and I think on Wednesday too. Uh, yeah, they're today. both full They're both full Wednesday. today? Okay, cool. And uh, so they're, they're, they're no designation. We expect to see both of them. But those four players, Taylor Lewis, Leonard, and Blackman, will, will all miss the game. Broncos have ruled out their running back, Javante Williams. He's on injured reserve with a knee injury. They're leading rusher. Also, uh, Hamilton Southeastern's own Randy Gregory, the edge rusher on injured reserve with a knee injury, has two sacks and seven quarterback hits and two forced fumbles this season. Uh, so that's a certainly a playmaker there. The Colts will not have to face and not have to worry about facing their dubious offensive line, we'll put it. Um, safety Ju- Justin Simmons, also a two-time All-Pro player, is on injured reserve with a quad injury. So you got all those players uh, who are who are ruled out, and they had a pretty. Let's see, they have they have a pretty busy. Uh, Joe, you printed out this entire injury report for them, and a couple players did not participate on Tuesday's practice. I don't know if they have anything more uh, from today. I checked. I didn't see anything from Wednesday before the show. They're all in mount- Mountain Time, so they're two hours behind everything right now. Anyway, so that was that was funky for me when I lived in Montana for a couple years. Like Mountain Time. Nothing's on mountain time. But it sounds the coolest of all the time. It's awesome. It's an awesome time. I'm telling you. Like, everything's like, it's Eastern Central, you know, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Central. And then you go out to the West Coast and Pacific time. No, nobody cares about mountain time. We don't don't have a ball drop. We don't have anything special on New Year's. Like, there, I don't think anything really truly happens. Like, you celebrate the ball dropping in New York. Hey, and then two hours later, like, you all just count down together uh, when you're like 22 years old and like, woo, yay, there we are to a new year. (laughs) Everybody toast to a new year. That's it. There's nothing special except you and yourself and your own party, whatever it might be. So anyway, uh, all that to say, well, we'll uh, we'll tweet that out a little bit later today. You can find it at Colt Blue Zone on Twitter. You can follow us individually at mchapel51 is Mike. You can follow his work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I'm at Dave G underscore sports. Joe, what do you have to say over there? I will say, though, for the Broncos, um, couple starting offensive linemen showing up on here, Quinn Meniers, Meniers, <laughs> Miners, Miners. Let's go we'll with Miners. Quinn Miners, um, guard, uh, did not practice both Monday or Tuesday with a hamstring, so they might be down him. And then um, also Billy Turner, who I believe has been playing right tackle for them, limited both Monday and Tuesday. So we'll have to keep an eye on the 
health of the Broncos' uh, offensive line. Yeah, in particular. Uh, Russell Wilson is technically limited with his shoulder injury both Monday and Tuesday that he sustained last week in that game against the Raiders uh, that they uh, they dropped there, gave, a, yeah. gave the Raiders their first win of the year. But uh, he, he'll play. He'll play. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Russell Wilson's going to be out there slinging it. Uh, we'll just have to see uh, how how strong he is. The Colts are one two and one. They visit the Broncos two and two. Eight fifteen kickoff on one of those Amazon Prime games. Mike Chapel, could you believe it if I told you when the Colts uh, drove Mayflower vans into uh, into Indianapolis all those years ago that one day you would be talking about uh, NFL games on on an an old a book selling website perhaps uh, the Amazon Prime taken off uh, in this uh, first year of Thursday night football. It's so annoying because <laughs> I've got to I've got to switch over my TV on my Roku and go to Amazon. And what I like to do watching games is when there's a break in the action, I like to channel surf. It's tough to channel surf on Amazon. I want I want to see what's going on here or there. But I tell you, it's it's more and more. That's where we're going. NFL Network games and all this. It's just you know I, I lost NFL Network on my AT and T. But it's it, it's it's like the Thursday night games. It's revenue streams. And they're getting buku bucks, and players can complain about it, but they're getting a slice of the pie too. We talked about the 17-game schedule, and players complained to some level, but they're getting an extra paycheck. So just wait till it goes to 18 games. But all this is about revenue, and Amazon Prime, I tell you, you know, and and they're paying out the nose for their announcers too. So the, it, it it's money driven as we all know it would be. Joe, what does Chap like to channel surf over to? Is it Bachelor in Paradise? See if he can uh, come up with the, uh, the the latest drama down there on the beach in Mexico. Follow it along during the game. Could you imagine Chapel on Bachelor in Paradise? <laughs> Everyone would be all over no, Chapel. I, 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 I try to channel surf to see what how my la- latest uh, episode of Law and Order is going, seeing if Lenny's is abusing any any people or not. But I like to channel surf because I'm one of those guys. The older you get, you lose the attention, your attention span. So you, you, you need stimulus, but, and that's not going to change. They, they make it very difficult for me to channel surf. Yeah, <laughs> no, no doubt. Uh, Denver coming off a, a loss to the previously winless Raiders with 32, 23 was that final. Uh, maybe the Raiders found a little something in that game on offense in particular, as they had been kind of uh, mundane through the first couple weeks of the season, the first uh, year under Josh McDaniels out there. Maybe it was the Josh McDaniels revenge game uh, there, coming back to Denver and getting the win. Who knows? Uh, but it was the first time that the uh, Denver defense, Joe, had allowed more than 17 points. We'll get into this in a little bit, but their defense, right? We can get into it now off the top. They've allowed the third fewest points in the league. They're, they're a very, very good defensive team. Yeah, well, they, they, they've allowed the fifth fewest. Their offense actually has scored the third fewest. Excuse uh, me, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no, you're I fine. I, right. I got it mixed up there. Yep. But, gotcha. but yeah, 17, 17 points per game. Uh, this defense has been stiff to start the year. Obviously losing Gregory. This will be the first game without him. He just yep. got hurt on uh, Sunday against the Raiders. So we'll see how effective they are against the pass without um, one of their premier pass rushers. And really, him and Chubb made one of the better pa- edge tandems in the league for a few weeks there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you can get over after the quarterback, then everything else is a lot easier for your defense. Yeah, fourth fewest yards allowed. Good against the pass. They're allowing less than 200 yards per game passing. In the NFL, that, that's a ludicrous number. Um, and, yeah, they have sacked, but, of course, losing Gregory, that, that's something there, too. Uh, only four takeaways. Uh, them yeah. and the Colts, ne- neither of them really taking the ball away too much. No. No, the fifth fewest takeaways for Denver, the four takeaways is just one more than the Colts have. Um, when you look at their defense, six most sacks they've been getting after the quarterback. Really good against the pass. But against the run, they've been a bit susceptible. Uh, 18th against the run, um, allowing 114 yards per game. And 4.9 yards per carry allowed ranks 20th. Well, as we just saw last week, guys, as the Colts went up against the Titans, averaging 5.8 yards per carry, they can run all over teams like that, right? Wrong. No? Uh, No? I I think it's the Colts. I I think there's something wrong with the Colts. I (laughs) think there's something wrong. Something wrong with the offensive line. Something uh, wrong. Naheem Hines said there's nothing wrong with Jonathan Taylor. He said that postgame. There is now. Yeah, exactly. Now there is. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) right? Now, now, Now technically there is, but... But yeah, like if, and maybe I'll start a little bit of my rant here. But like, if you if you bet so much as Chris Ballard did this offseason on your 
uh, on your offensive line to work. I mean, on like your wide receivers to work, uh, on the moves that you've made, on the quarterback to work. You expect your highest paid offensive line in the league to be better, and, and like you, you need your high paying, highest paid, most expected out of you by everybody, people, to show up. And through the first four games of the season, if we're doing a quarterly review of the Colts, you can clearly say that that has not happened. Like the offensive line, well, well, Joe? I, I'm not arguing with you. I was just thinking, would you say of all the units, the offensive line has performed the worst of all the starting units yes. the Colts have? Chap says yes. Yes. I mean, what, what, what would you put next to it? Maybe what, kicker. I would, I, would, I would put quarterback right well, there next to it because Matt Ryan has nine fumbles. Like he, he he's not getting hit more than any, everyone else in the league, but he's he's getting hit and he's letting go of the ball. You you can't do that. You I, can't do it. I, I I'm posting something a little bit later about the turnovers. He's got he's got eight of the nine, and the last time a Colts quarterback had eight turnovers in four games was Andrew Luck in like 2015, and he he only needed three games to do it. The only thing about that, you, you, there, there's no defense. There's no defense at all. But until the offensive line gets fixed, I don't know what you do. Two of his fumbles that I can remember on sacks were, were in a busy pocket that he's got to take care of the ball when he's got people around him. Three of his fumbles were center snaps at Houston, which are inexcusable. That's just crazy. But now there, there's no defend. There's no defending it. There's no putting excuses by it. But I still, I, I, I guess I'm Mr. Simplistic. And, and until they get the line fixed, I'm not sure. The only quarterback to me that can play behind this line maybe is Lamar Jackson with his capability and Kyler Murray maybe. But you just can't go off script. This, this is an offense that's built to run the ball and be on script, stay ahead of the chains, and none of that's working. And just while, I, while, while I've broken in here, I wonder how long before this team – they've already made a move at right guard with Will Fries replacing Danny Pinner. How long before they simply say, you know, Matt Pryor's not working. It's not working. Put Bernard Ryman there and then put Pryor at right guard. And you're going to have growing pains with, with Ryman, but at least he's growing. So I, I maybe the long week after this will help it, but – until they get the offensive line fixed, I'm not sure what el- what else they can do or what's going to change until that's until that's fixed. You're right. There, there's nothing much the Colts can do right now to to help Matt Ryan in this situation, other than maybe shuffle up the offensive line a little bit and, and try to fix that. But I, I think I, I just want to emphasize my point one more time that like other quarterbacks are getting hit too, and other teams have bad offensive lines too, and they're not fumbling as much as Matt Ryan is. He is an outlier in the NFL. He's on pace to shatter the fumble record through four games of the season. Now, I think that's going to go way down. I doubt that he breaks that this year. I think he's going to come back to earth a little bit. Things always regress toward the mean. But early on, it, it's been devastating. So so that's where you say, like, which one position has been worse so far for the Colts this year. You can make a case that it's the quarterback because of that, because team like games ebb and flow based on turnovers. And the offensive line has not helped, like Chap said. Not at all. But there are other bad offensive lines in the NFL, too, and those quarterbacks are not fumbling as much as Matt Ryan has. That's the only point I wanted to make about that. I think either way, if you want to focus on the offensive line, say that's worse, that's perfectly fine with me. You can make that argument, and I believe you did very well there. But uh, And I wouldn't be surprised, Joe, if we do see more shifting in the offensive line because, like, we talked in the offseason that Matt Pryor could be a revelation at left tackle. He could step in and then finally, after, like, focusing on one position, could be a guy that settles in and, and does well. But he is not through four games. And if you really want to take this as a quarter and evaluate this entire quarter of the season, you can say that that has absolutely not worked. And if you want to move on from that, if you say, you know what, this is not going to work, and maybe we give Ryman a try – then you move over to him and you just take your lumps with Ryman out there because he's not going to be perfect either, but at least he could get a little bit more experience as a rookie. You figure maybe he has more growth potential than Matt Pryor does in that position. And then if you move Pryor to right guard, yes, if you keep Fries at right guard, whatever you have. But I, I, I would not be surprised at all if there is more shuffling in the offensive line this year like we just saw this past week. Yeah, I think eventually things will be shuffled if this continues. I, you know, I, I don't, Obviously, Pryor's had his moments where he's made mistakes, but 
the last couple of games, I don't think he's necessarily just been a wide open door over no. there at left tackle. I've seen more issues from the interior the last couple games with the guys you're paying. The Ryan Kelly has not had a good season thus far. I watched multiple play or, uh, on Sunday with Tennessee where Quentin El- Danico Autry just whooped Quentin Nelson. And so when your all pros aren't playing like all pros and, you know, this offensive line is where the team was built. This is where the majority of the money has been invested in when you're talking about position groups and then they're letting you down. So it's like, um, you know, equating it to fantasy football. It's like, when your first two picks in the draft are complete busts, that's really going to screw the rest of your team. And that's what's happening here where the Colts have allocated their resources, the offensive line, and now it's letting them down. Sorry to start that tangent that we just went oh, on there. That, but, no, it's good. You know, I it, kind of started it, but yes, <laughs> to be fair. That, that's what I do best. Yeah, yeah go, go down tangents here and there. Well, but we will return to the Denver Bronco offense, the third fewest points in the league which should, should provide a stellar Thursday night football for the NFL as the Colts have the fewest points in the league. I'll be taking the under. Yes, there's a good chance that we will pick. Like, this could be a 6-3 to three ball game, and I, I'm not exaggerating at all. I'm not exa- maybe, maybe it's 9-6 to six because you get a few extra yards there. You know, there's a few uh, in the mile-high uh, atmosphere yeah, there in kicks. Denver. It's a few longer kicks there, perhaps, or they're able to make out there. Uh, but, any, but anyway... Um, They are 21st in yards gained, 18th in both passing and rushing. They've allowed 12 sacks, which is in the top 10, as in worst top 10 in the league. Only committed four turnovers, so they're holding on to the ball uh, a whole lot better than the Colts are. We'll put it that way, with uh, avoiding going down that tangent again. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I looked it up. Russell Wilson has zero fumbles, and boy, that must be nice. I wouldn't know what it that's must like. Be nice. The quarterback doesn't it must fumble. Be nice. Yeah, who who knows? <laughs> Like not not even Carson Wentz fumbles that much. My goodness, for crying out loud! That's all I'll say about that. Uh, players to watch: Car- uh, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson. Uh, let's see. The, the The Broncos hope that he would be the missing piece to their puzzle. He has not been as of yet. Only completing sixty one percent of his passes, which is a, a, a very disappointing number. Four touchdowns to one interception is a great ratio. No fumbles, as Joe points out. He's averaging 245 yards per game. He's really being more of a game manager uh, so far. And, and, and I think, Chap, when you brought him in and you have receivers like a Jerry Judy, like a Cortland Sutton, you expected a little bit more downfield um, threats, some more big plays, some more of those 20-plus yards. It, it just hasn't clicked yet. Maybe that's coming later in the season for Denver, um, as the Colts certainly are hoping it will come more in the season for Matt Ryan. But uh, he's at least he's treading water right now, better than Ryan is with the turnovers and takeaways, that's for sure. But uh, Wilson, they certainly expected more that they're not quite getting yet from, from him out there in Denver. It seems like so much of what he's done in his career is sort of, like I mentioned, off script with the bad lines out in Seattle, he sort of created. Maybe that type of quarterback takes a little bit longer to incorporate it in, into your offense, and, and, and that's not happened yet. But without question, they're, they, they're not getting the bang for their buck. Wasn't it Eli Manning took sort of a shot where he said they should have invested that money in the punter or whatever yeah. it was? So, uh, But, yeah, y- 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 you kind of fall back on track record and history, and you expect – Russell Wilson to come out of this. You just do. I think there's league-wide people are expecting him to come out of this a lot more than they are Matt Ryan to come out of this. But I tell you, nine to six with maybe like four 50-yard field goals wouldn't surprise me a bit. Yep. And uh, and Joe, as we look at the stats here, there there actually have been some instances where Sutton and Judy have made some big plays. Uh, for the Broncos this year. There's just nothing that's caught on and become like a consistent threat. So there's been the opportunity here and there that Wilson has made down the field. But maybe it's the the more consistent stuff from drive to drive that that the Broncos are still working to to figure out. Yeah, you look at Cortland Sutton. He has eight catches of 15-plus yards. That's the most in the NFL. Seventh in the NFL in receiving yards with 343. He's been... Wilson's top target to start the season and and Judy's kind of been like the big play number two threat um he he, he has three catches of 20 plus yards including a 67 yard touchdown in week one against Seattle he's averaging 16.6 yards per catch that's eighth highest among NFL players with at least 10 catches so both of these wide receivers uh can get deep and Russell Wilson throws a great deep ball but in terms of drive in and drive out consistency 
Um, Sutton's kind of been the guy, but still n- n- not really what you would hope for. Both of them averaging, I guess, more bang for your buck, and the volume hasn't quite been there as, in terms of being consistent. Yeah, and uh, if, the, if the Broncos are looking at the Colts lineup right now and they see at free safety a seventh-round rookie out of Yale – no disrespect, really, to Rodney Thomas, but but you look at that if you're an opposing offensive coordinator and you're like, we've got to try to take advantage of this. Like uh, you can you can look at the Colts' corners and say Stephon Gilmore is going to be a tough nut to crack and Kenny Moore will be a tough nut to crack, but if you can get somebody deep um, and really test, uh, like I said, a seventh round pick out of Yale just this year, you're going to do that. And like you said, Joe, Russell Wilson throws great deep ball. I think Colts fans got a good eye of that last year. When he was playing for Seattle and came here week one, he threw one or two really pretty deep balls uh, that, that were just just gorgeous passes uh, for either touchdowns or big plays in that uh, in that Seattle Seahawks win in week one. But uh, but the passing game's half the story. The other half is the running game, which is going to be a lot different with Javante Williams now out on injured reserve. Uh, they have Melvin Gordon on their roster who has uh, nearly 40 rushes this year. He's averaging 3.8 yards per carry, one touchdown, also eight catches. He does have four fumbles this season, so he's where the the fumbling issues lie out there in Denver. Um, so if he gets the ball, uh, keep, keep scrapping for it. But he's he, been the Matt Ryan of running backs this year. Ah, but it's... yeah, he has five fumbles on his last 44 touches going back to last season. It, usually, you know, if Leonard was healthy, you'd say that's just yes. he's licking his chops right now. Yeah. But hopefully, Okereke can uh, mimic the Shaquille strike. Mm-hmm. Um, Bradley Chubb leads the team with three sacks. He'll line up across from Matt Pryor. Every, every time, chap, we see uh, we see Bradley Chubb. You always ask the question, the fateful question, if it was Chubb versus Quentin Nelson that day back in 2008, where would Chris Ballard have turned? Well, and the thing is, that as their careers have turned out, you take Nelson because Chubb's missed quite a few games with injuries. But how do you not take a pass rusher every day? And, and just hope to get more. But it, it, I think Chubb got two of those sacks in the opener, I believe. Uh, but but he, he, the pass rusher's a threat. And as we've seen, these these guys just have – they're having trouble with whatever it is. If stunts, inside pressure, outside pressure. Braden Smith got whipped by Jerry Hughes for crying out loud. So, uh, like I say, I, I wish I had reason to be optimistic, but things that – Denver does well the Colts don't do well Patrick Sertain is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL the second I should should add to his name uh shadowed he shadowed Defonte Adams last week held him to four catches for 48 yards on eight targets which is a heck of a job Joe so Michael Pittman Jr. uh, might not have the big game that uh Colts usually rely on him for they'll have to look elsewhere like Alec Pierce Big Mo Alleycox. I mean, Matt Ryan threw for 350 yards last week, and Pittman had like 40-something. So they've shown that the passing game doesn't have to go through Pittman, um, and that might have to be the case this week as he's probably going to be shadowed by one of the best young corners in the league. Yeah, chap, we would think last week would be an aberration with Michael Pittman only having four catches. I mean, we talked about it on this show throughout the throughout the preseason, throughout training camp, that his floor, just based on what we saw out there in, in Westfield, might be 100 catches because of how often Matt Ryan went his way time after time after time. Um, last week, like I said, could have been an aberration based on either strategy or uh, the schemes that Frank Reich had in store for the, the defense for Tennessee. Um, but I would expect him to get more involved. And if certain's Sir, opposite him, it's going to be tough, no doubt, out there in Denver. But I, I got to imagine that you want your number one wide receiver to have more uh, more touches than than he had last week. Yeah, it's, it's one of those you, you respect Sertain, but you can't just stay away from Pittman. He's your best receiver, and in I, probably the way the way they game plan, the tight ends went off against Tennessee. What they have 180 some yards. Mo had a couple touchdowns. So, and but they, they've got again for whatever reason, maybe it's protection, not letting routes develop, but. Paris Campbell still hasn't done a been a major impact. Maybe his his routes take take more time to get downfield, but uh, Pitt, Pitt, it's got to go through Pittman. And to say it didn't go through Pittman last week, it didn't. But then maybe he, he he took some of the focus away to allow some plays to Pierce. I, I've been really impressed with Pierce so far, and I tell you, a couple times Ryan's made him really work for his catches. They've not been easy catches. But that, that's what that's what Alec Pierce's reputation was. 
the high point jump balls, and, and he's made some great catches. What do you have a 40, 40 some yarder last week? So encouraged again, where, where we really all had concerns. I still sort of do on receivers and tight ends coming into the season. They've held up pretty well. Yeah. Uh, like I think Alec Pierce has been at least what we talked about on this show in the preseason. He's been what, what I thought he would be and probably what most of us thought he would be like getting a couple uh, attempts every week, Joe, and save that one drop touchdown week one, which was bad. Like I, you, you, there's no sugarcoating that. He's made some really nice plays. He's made some splashes. He's not the guy that's going to get seven, eight catches every week, but he's a guy who can do damage when called upon. He's been, you know, week one aside, and by the way, he probably dropped his easiest target exactly. of the year. He really year. did. He really <laughs> did. Because he's been making some tough catches since then. He's been everything you could have hoped he would be maybe a little earlier than we thought it might kick in. He's been fantastic. I think he had, what, 80-something yards last week? Um, you, when, when your quarterback is throwing back shoulder fades to the rookie wide receiver, that's a good sign. Um, so hopefully Pierce can kind of uh, keep it up because as we've harped on for months and months and months, they're going to need more than just Pittman. Yeah, and definitely got something in, in Kylan Granson last week as well. He was catching yeah. everything thrown his way, made a couple really nice catches, which has got to be an encouragement to, to him and to Matt Ryan throwing him the ball. Him, because I think Jelani had a 30-yarder. Yep. Those tight ends, really. Yep. They, they played really well. And with Granson in particular, like if there's a lot of – if there's a lot of um, – What's the word? If there's a lot of focus on, on the outside, uh, he can do so much, I think, either on the inside or on the short five-yard outs. Uh, he can really be a chain mover. He can be what Jack Doyle was in terms of catching short passes and moving the sticks on, on third and six. And I think he's, he's a better athlete than Jack Doyle was, too. Certainly not the run blocker Jack Doyle was. That's very evident in what the Colts have been able to do in the run game this year. But he is a guy that, that can make this offense significantly better if if he has the uh, the ability to do so, because I mean the Colts the Colts right now don't have a real slot receiver in my eyes. You know you got Pittman on the outside, Pierce is on the outside. Obviously Strawn's on the outside. Doolin is more I mean, of an they outside Campbell. receiver. Campbell's exactly yeah. You're you're right. You're not wrong. But but also Campbell's been injured too much for him to really be a more go over the middle. Yeah, uh, it seems like Ryan receiver. only looks for Campbell when he's scrambling and trying to get the ball out yeah. on third down. Yeah. And, you know, he's been there for those catches. I mean, I would like to see the percentage of Campbell's catches that have gone for a first down because it has to be the majority of them. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And, and, and one thing on these on these tight ends, it was evident last week. I wouldn't want to be the safety or corner, you know, waiting for these guys when they get a full head of steam down the field and to catch the ball on the run, they're, they're tough to bring down. And both Woods and, and, and Cox have been great about running through people, through, over, or whatever. And that's what that's what you want. That That's really what we wondered who would do it. And then we saw, like you said, Granson, they're getting him the ball on the move. He, he, he's sort of – we were talking in the press room, he, and, I, and I'm not comparing him to the guy, but he, he's like Dallas Clark. He really is in, in how he plays the position. But at the same time, Dallas Clark couldn't block either. You know, w- when you put him up against a defensive end or a linebacker, you were you were risking the quarterback. And there were a couple times, I think the Colts believe that if they can kind of get Granson on the move with blocks, he's okay. But he tried to block a couple guys just flat on, wham them, and it didn't work. But that's, that's to me, that's coaching – you know, it's the old Clint Eastwood line, you know, a man's got to know his limitations. Well, a coaching staff's got to know limitations, too, and you don't put players in positions to fail. And I thought a couple times the Colts did that in the run game or pass protection. But I tell you, if they continue to funnel into Granson's strengths as a as a run-after-the-catch guy and, and on-the-move guy, we, we thought that he would have the chance to have the big season because of what he played at tight end. And we've seen snippets of that already. Yeah, you, you got to take your, uh, in, in a 1-2-1 one, and one start, if you're a fan of the Indianapolis Colts, you have to take joy in some small things here and there. And one of those small things you should take joy in is seeing Mo Alley-Cox run down the middle of the field, dragging two defenders for 20 yards. Like that, that That's just fun. So so watch those plays when they come. Let them bring a smile to your face. And, and hopefully uh, some more results, uh, win-loss column, will, will come later in the year. But... 
but that was, that was fun last week to see him do that. Since 1951, Hancock Health has been centered around you. And now, as a member of the Mayo Clinic Care Network, our services are amplified by the world leader in medicine. We were selected by Mayo Clinic because of our commitment to caring for East Central Indiana. Now, our local experts are taking that commitment further by consulting with Mayo Clinic specialists and working together to make health possible. Learn more at HancockHealth.org slash Mayo Clinic. Let's get to our keys to the game as the Colts get set to take on the Denver Broncos Thursday night football broadcast, webcast, you could say, on Amazon Prime. Uh, number one is to win the turnover battle. We talked earlier that the Broncos have not been all that uh, dramatic in the turnover battle. I think they have four takeaways and four turnovers themselves. They're, they're very even in, in that area. Not too, too many. They're averaging just about one per game, which over the course of the season would be, would be good in terms of not giving up too many turnovers, but also not that good in terms of taking the ball away. The best teams in the league will take away two or three times per game at the end of the year in terms of percentage-wise. So uh, the turnovers killed the Colts uh, against the Titans last week. They had three turnovers. The Titans scored touchdowns on two of them. It's a seven-point ball game. That's the difference. The Titans didn't march up and down the field all that much in their touchdown drives. Early in, early in the game, they, they took advantage of the opportunities the Colts gave them for those two touchdowns that they had short fields for. Boom, boom. You score 14 points off of them, and that's a big, tr- big problem. Uh, the, the Jonathan Taylor fourth quarter fumble killed a three or seven points right there. That's, again, more points for your offense when you're just outside the red zone that were taken away. So uh, e- either on offense or, or the other side of the ball, uh, how it affects your defense. The turnovers had, a Joe, a remarkable impact on last week's game, and y- you just hope that doesn't happen again. Yeah, and it, it's not like the one, the interception where the – Defensive tackle, you know, tips the ball to himself. It's just a great play by the defense. You got to nod your hat and say, good job. You, you made a spectacular play. The other one, and the majority of the Colts turnovers this year have been just self-errors, self-inflicted wounds, um, or I guess in baseball terms, unforced errors. Mm-hmm. There are things where they're just um, not taking care of the football like they're supposed to. And, you know, we've been talking for the weeks. The Colts need to clean this up. The Colts need to clean this up. At a certain point, I guess it's kind of you are what you are. Hopefully this is the week the Colts can actually take care of the football. Nine turnovers. Uh, Go ahead, Chap. On the the turnovers, again, what I'll post in a little bit, they've always been a a plus differential in in Frank's four years. They they were tied for first last year and second the year before. They've been a plus 28 in his four years. They're a minus six now. And they're simply with their other issues. They're simply not good enough. Very few teams are to keep turning the ball over, like you said, to forty-two points. This team has nine turnovers and six touchdowns. That's ridiculous. You know, twenty-three percent of their drives have ended in turnovers. So it's it's yes, the defense has forced some of these. Yes, they have. But for crying out loud, like like you said earlier, when the pocket's collapsing. Just say, okay, they got us, and put the ball away and don't try to make a play or whatever. So, uh, again, turn it, this, this, at, at this point with losing these four starters in this game, to think they can go out there and have three turno- turnovers and win, it's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. In addition to the Colts' nine turnovers, they only have three takeaways. Uh, just, just not what you expect under Frank Reich and really under Matt Eberflus because he's been the defensive coordinator. They, they, were, they had the second most – takeaways in four years with Flus, 107 and you know 33 last year and like like Joe's got here one of the takeaways was the muff punt yep so it was given to him the other ones you know it was the EJ Speed's sack fumble at Houston and then the uh, uh, Stefan Gilmore tipped that that, uh, McLeod had to to CO Kansas City and yes not having Shaq Leonard makes a huge difference. What would he have? He had at least 12 takeaways last year with the four interceptions and the eight forced fumbles. But but you've got Yannick Ngakwe, you've got DeForest Buckner, you've got Kenny Moore, you've got Stephon Gilmore. Somebody else has to make plays. And to, to, to think you can, can go along, even if the offense gets their act together, which we'll see, 
the defense has to be more impactful. And at one stretch, they had, there had been like eight or nine consecutive uh, drives where the opponents hadn't punted. So you, you have to get it cleaned up. And y- yes, the offense is sloppy, but the defense has to help out. I, I tweeted this earlier this year, Joe. Like I remember when the Colts used to use Kenny Moore as a blitzer. He hasn't. I don't think he's blitzed yet this year in four games. And I can't. I can't picture. I can't think of one play that Kenny Moore has made on defense this year. I, I was just about to say uh, we wondered and kind of questioned how he would fit in this defense coming into it, and the answer so far has been not well. Um, he's one of Pro Football Focus's lowest graded cornerbacks at this point in the season. Lining up across from a wide receiver and just sticking to him like glue was never Kenny Moore's strength. He was effective on blitzes. He was effective tackling. Um, I'm not saying he's, you know, the worst man-to-man cover guy out there ever, but that's not his. That's not using a player to his best of his ability. And so, if this is the rest of the season for Kenny Moore, this might be the last season he's in a Colts uniform because he certainly does not fit this defense through four weeks. And there's just more kind of reason why there's, it wasn't a good idea to extend him this past off season when he was asking for it. I think. And there's a reason why he was asking for it. Exactly. No, completely. (laughs) Absolutely. And there's a reason the Colts didn't give it to him, you know. Uh, Had two years left on that deal, and you wanted to see how he worked under this defense. And like you said, through four games, it's it's at best below average. At best, it's below average, for especially for what you expect out of a guy who's a pro bowler a year ago. Uh, Key number two is – go ahead. One other other thing on that, and and I'm not giving the defense a pass at all, because they're part of this, you know. It was noted that what Tennessee was up twenty-four to three, and they did get the two short field touchdowns. But when you're on, when you're trailing seventeen points, second quarter or third quarter, it is it's tough to be as creative on defense, I guess. But to, to give the defense a pass on 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 whether you know the defense turn the ball or the offense turn the ball over, look at the spots they're putting us in. It, it goes hand in hand. And again, they've got to make these plays to turn things around, to, to get off the field and create momentum. And, and they're going to find they did a great job against Mahomes. And, and Wilson is sort of like that, how he extends plays. And I think he's got a chance to hurt him more on the outside than what Mahomes did because I think Wilson – is, is is more apt to extend plays outside and maybe run. He's like he'll be their like second leading rusher in this game with, with the running back out. So another tough tough task for the defense, but they've got to start playing better. Joe, let's uh, discuss the third key to the game then, since that kind of leads into it. And uh, you wanted to focus a bit on uh, limiting big plays against the passing game and how important that has been for Denver this year in terms of scoring points. Yeah, you know we talked about Denver has struggled to put up points in their own right. Um, I went back and kind of looked at all their scoring drive. They, they have six touchdowns this year. All six drives had at least one pass play of 25 or more yards. So they're, they're using big plays to put together their scoring drives. Their longest run of the season is just 17 yards, and that was by Javante Williams, who's no longer available to them. Um, only one drive, only one touchdown drive for Denver has uh, taken more than six plays, and that was a 12-play drive against San Francisco. Took away that drive, uh, and Denver averages only four plays on their touchdown drives. So they really, really are relying on big plays to get their touchdowns to score. And when you take that away, they've not shown the ability, except for one time against San Francisco, to drive methodically down the field, take what the defense gives them, and go on a 10, 12, 15 play drive and put the ball into the end zone. They've not shown that. So if the ball, the Colts can keep everything in front of them, tackle well, and don't allow those big plays down the field, they should be able to stop and extremely limit this Denver offense. And I think that's a, it's a telling stat. When, when you're trying to work in a new quarterback and like you, you can't – your offense, if you don't have drives, like those 10-play drives, they the, – you expect them to come over the season, but that's an understandable thing, chap, if early in the year I think that things just aren't quite clicking everywhere on all cylinders and the big plays are what, what leads to success. And, and you expect that from Russell Wilson, I guess. Um, but but right now they're a team that, that is like the Colts that is trying to figure out uh, their the best um, 
the best way to utilize a new quarterback or the best offense, um, the best way to run this this offense. And so uh, big plays is something they have had a, a propensity of, it looks like. So, uh, so yeah, Col- Colts are going to have to make sure to keep everything in front of them this weekend, this week. Well, that, that, that's why it was, it was, you know, when you bring up Rodney Thomas, they, these these guys see the same things that we do. And, and I'm not saying Thomas has played poorly. I don't nope. think he has. But they're going to test him. That, that, that's what you do. You, t- you see, okay, is this guy up to it? Test him early. And if he has issues, you go after him all, all game. But there's not a lot of, you know, who are you going to turn to if Rodney Thomas just is lost out there, which he won't be. You know, Nick Cross isn't. The, the reason Nick Cross isn't playing is because he's a strong safety. And McLeod's playing and he's playing pretty well right now. So, yeah, I think the Colts have done a pretty good job limiting the, 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 the gashing plays in the passing game. But like they did against Mahomes, they've got to get after Wilson and keep him pinned in. Don't let him get out and extend plays because, you know, you give any receiver three, four, five seconds to get open, and they're going to get open. You can only cover guys so long. Our last key, which was the second key here on the list, we kind of went out of order there to kind of make a little sense there in our discussion, was establish the run. And the Colts game has really suffered. Uh, as, as you write here, Joe, and you're right, behind an offensive line that has struggled. They're 27th in the NFL in yards per game. If you had told me before the season that after four games the Colts would be 27th in yards per game rushing, I would say you're crazy. If you told me after week one. I would say they're 0-4 they... <laughs> if that was the case. I would say Jonathan Taylor must not be playing at all. Yeah, and it's even crazier to have that statistic after Taylor rain for 160 yards in week one. The last three weeks, the running game has been non-existent. I get against Jacksonville, uh, you know, you're down 24 to nothing. You're going to abandon the run. I think Taylor still had a pretty good average in that game. The last couple of weeks specifically um, have been atrocious against the run. And you mentioned it earlier. They were playing a Tennessee team who had given up the most yards per carry average on the ground entering that week, and they still couldn't get it done. Um, But until they – I'm not saying bring the running game back to the level of last year. But until they have some kind of functioning running game, this offense is going to struggle because it was not built for Matt Ryan in the passing game to carry them. Matt Ryan was supposed to come in and be the final piece to be a almost a game manager is what Matt Ryan was brought in to be. This was supposed to be a team with a good offensive line, a good running game, and they did switched out their quarterbacks because they wanted the guy who's going to take care of the ball a little bit more, make better decisions, and be more accurate. Well, that hasn't necessarily been the case so far. Just get rid of the necessarily. That has not been the case. Well, I so will far. say Matt Ryan's been extremely accurate when given time. Well, yeah, we'll give him that. So, yeah, he's been great when given time. So that's time. why I threw in the necessarily. Carson Wentz was great when he was given time last year too. Let, let's let, let's be direct about. That. I'll be direct about that. I guess I'll just say I'll I'll take Ryan's accuracy over Wentz's any day. But the point being, they've been asking Matt Ryan to carry this team. Uh, throw. I think he's thrown for what 350 yards in two games now. Um, that, that, that was never supposed to be the plan. This was supposed to be Ryan. I'll give he, you, yeah. what, what's that? He's, he, he's fourth in the league in, in passing yards. And the Colts don't yep. want that. They don't want no, to be no, fourth ex- in the league ex- in passing exactly, yards. Exactly. Um, so really need to get some kind of running game going so that the Colts aren't in so many second and tens, third and eights, and they can, uh, have the playbook open to them, not rely on Ryan, so much to you know be in a position to fumble the ball away and as we've mentioned earlier denver does have a better pass defense through four games than a better run than run defense uh, the raiders last week uh had 30 carries for 168 yards that was a nearly six yards per carry scored two touchdowns on the ground um so that their pass defense has been better and that has been a product of having a re- pretty good pass rush with bradley chubb on one end and randy gregory who's now hurt on the other side so um, so certainly some questions as to if that can if that can be sustained, if their past defense can be sustained, if the Colts can finally get something going in, in the ground game against another team that seems to be struggling against the run, unlike what they were unable to do last week. So um, and on a short week, just adds another layer of intrigue to this game, like which team responds to the short week better. There, there, there are gremlins that, that happen uh, on Thursday night games like teams win unexpectedly. Th- teams do unexpected things because. Because it's it's hard to switch and to play an NFL game from Sunday to Thursday. It just is. And I don't think that's a, an indictment on a specific player. If like you have an all-caliber, all-world-caliber player who doesn't have a good game on a Thursday night. Because 
they are because they what's the, how am I trying to put this? Because they're more used to the week to week grind, and they know how to deal with their body on a week to week grind. And you throw something in like this, like you're you're paid to do better. Don't get that wrong. I'm not trying to like throw out excuses for them. I'm just trying to supply reasons why things happen on Thursday night. Like things like I, I'm, the, the conditions are say, worse. Yes, th- things just get weird on Thursday night football from time to time. So so it's hard to predict what's going to happen in these games. And if you're looking to try to predict this game, FanDuel has the Colts three point underdogs. And the over-unders at 42.5. Uh, so they're predicting something along the lines of a uh, 21-18 or a 22-20 to ball game right around there, 23-20. to um, And uh, I, will de- I would definitely take the under. I'll, t- I'll tell you that um, because of everything we've said so far. But, um, but I, do, I do like the Colts in this game. So miracle of miracles, Dave uh, the hater over here <laughs> is, is picking the Colts to go into Denver and get a win and to be 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. And depending on what happens to Jacksonville, the Colts could be on top of the stupid division at the end of this week because it, it, it's a weird, it's early in the season, number one. And it's it's like there are other divisions like the NFC West right now. Everybody's two and two. So like as I think as as much as we have um, way or we have lambasted the Colts for uh, different areas not being up to snuff so far this year. Like it, it's still early in the year. They're not out of it by any stretch. I'm not sitting here saying that the Colts are not going to be a playoff team at the end of the year. I'm not here saying that they're not going to be a winning team at the end of the year in terms of wins and losses. But but it hasn't been good so far, and and it's just it's frustrating because it's been the same thing over and over. It's been poor starts year after year, and there was so much that is supposedly done this offseason to try to try to get things right and trying to to lay lay blame to one aspect of the team. You get rid of that guy, and then you bring in somebody who's supposed to be the adult and change all the problems, and all the problems are still here. Like you can still think that the old quarterback was a problem. That's fine, but he certainly wasn't the only problem, and that's very evident in what's happened early on this season. That you tried to say, hey, the problems are solved. But they're not. The problems are still here, and it's very obvious. If anyone has watched the Colts this year, that the offseason problems were not dealt with in the way that they had hoped. No doubt about it. They're because they're one, two, and one. They've showed good offense or good defense, and like I don't know, less than half of the twelve quarters that they've played so far, plus the overtime. So I, I'm, 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 I'm ripping them as I say I'm going to pick them. I know, <laughs> I know, because I just, I just had to throw all that in there. But I'm going to pick the Colts sixteen to thirteen to go into Denver and and, and pull one out there, and that they could kind of hit the reset button and really on this short bye week uh, have a uh, have a bit of a come to Jesus moment and see what kind of a team they want to be for the rest of this year. See if their offense line can uh, can block a few guys a little bit better than they have so far see if some people on defense can make a play whatever it might be but uh but i do think that i i'm not so i'm not very high on denver right now and i think their strengths on offense like we've said with uh with a bunch of big plays being crucial for their offense to score points like that kind of suits what the Colts' strengths are as well as we saw in the kansas city game they were really able to stop teams from getting big plays they've had trouble with teams really moving the ball methodically down the field against them, which is what Jacksonville did, which is what Houston did for three quarters. A quick game. Exactly. So I, I think that their defense can match up with Denver's offense, and I do think the offense will score a little bit here and there. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be much. 16-13, Colts come back to Indy with a win. Chap will go with you. Joe, you'll round things out. Yeah, it's kind of what I wrote about after the, the Tennessee game, that you're in the AFC South. I kind of compare it to, like, Michael Corleone in Godfather, he, he kept trying to maybe be legit and the mafia kept dragging him back in. That's what the AFC South is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to drag you into to being a contender whether you want to or not. So, and if you look at it, at Denver, you know, they're not great shakes. Jacksonville at home, you know, who knows. But then, then you come back with Tennessee. So it's there. It, it, it's, it's still a, a workable schedule in a bad division. So I agree with you that there's every chance, uh, every reason to, there's every chance that they can pull out of this. Now, whether they can or not, they've lost my trust and I should change my pick because you've been right, but I won't. I won't. I've got 1917 Denver. Whoa. So I just, and I think it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to, it's going to swing on turnovers as this team has, I think Lindsay will have some decent success running the ball. 
because again, I, like I said earlier, I think he's not going to worry about well, they're not blocking very well. He's not going to he's not going to wait for blocks to set up. He's he's going to go. He's going to be decisive. I'm not saying 20 carries for 160 yards, but I think it'll be it'll be decent. I just think they find until they prove otherwise. I think they find a way to lose. Maybe it'll be a, an errant, you know, nineteen seventeen because the kicker missed a forty two a forty two yard field goal. If we if we think they've got their kicking solved, we're delusional. They have they they've just changed kickers. Is all they've done. Uh, nineteen seventeen Denver. Joe, uh, prediction final thoughts from you. I have the same feeling heading into this game as I did heading into the Kansas City game where, you know, the, we just ripped them for a poor performance, albeit they were better against Tennessee than they were Jacksonville. But it just feels like this is the kind of game that th- the Colts are going to give us just enough every week to make us go, they got a chance in this game. They'll show us just enough good things to keep that glimmer of hope alive. I'm going to take the Colts to win this one um, and, and pull ahead to 2-2-1. Two, two and one. Um Similar score to you guys. I guess I'll go twenty to seventeen Colts. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a close game in the fourth quarter. And whoever makes the least amount of mistakes slash makes their field goals is going to win this game. I, I think that the uh, the the NFL will watch this game with their uh, their eyes bleeding on uh, hoping that Thursday night games are a little bit better in the future. Um, than uh, the the worst and the third worst offense in the league. It can't be worse than the Denver 49ers Sunday night game. What was oh, that? Yeah. Eleven to ten. Yeah. That was brutal. <laughs> that was brutal. pretty brutal. San as Francisco's well. defense really good. This as year. long as you got as long as you got eleven, you'll take an ugly win all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, and won't we'll apologize for it. Yeah, hey, if eleven's enough to win, yeah, you're, you'll come back to Indy and apologize to no one. Uh, oh yeah, no, no doubt about that. Oh yeah. You can follow us online at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week. Also, that uh, that Broncos injury report will come out a little bit later today. So probably as you're listening to this, it'll be out. Check us out there and see uh, see who the Denver has ruled and in or out for uh, for tomorrow's game, for Thursday night's game, I should say. You can follow us all on Twitter at mchapel51 at dave g underscore sports at roto street joe, and the Colts kick off against the Broncos 8:15 Thursday night on Amazon Prime. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.